Pastor Xavier Reese explains the simple truths of the gospel despite religion. Paul was astonished that the Galatians were turning so soon to a different quality of gospel, which means good news and replacing the gospel with religion and ceremony. See, a lot of people like to feel good, and that's all they want to do in life, feel good. So they go through their rituals. They go through their things. That's misplaced faith. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pastor Xavier, you've joined me here to kick off a brand new series in Galatians. In this first study, you've called Fungus Among Us. <laughs> what did you mean by that? Well, Fungus Among Us is kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's, um, it's truth mixed with lies. And that's always the case with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people who are deceivers, religion, ritual that tries to come alongside the gospel and either to add to it or to replace it. And uh, Paul the Apostle was up against the Judaizers, and their interest was not to help Christians, but to convert Christians into Judaism. And that's always the case with legalism. People want to put people in the bondage when Christ has set us free. And so we need to leave the gospel alone, preach the gospel, and live the gospel out. In fact, Paul gives the strongest damnation here in Galatians. Let that person be accursed if he preaches any other gospel, any other heteros, distinctly opposite to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the salvation of man, the uh, grace of God is all wrapped up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we leave it alone and God will do his work in us. Great. I'm looking forward to the series, but I know you enjoy hearing the response back from our listeners. Yes, it's very important that we uh, get response from the listener. Not so that we feel good, but that we understand and he can calculate if God is using the program uh, or not, because that's the only way we can measure it. And so we ask the people who are listening, the audience at large, that they email us or log on to our website. Either way, to let us know whether they're listening to the program. Won't you get in touch so that we know you're being reached? Address your comments via email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Or if you prefer pen and paper, you can always address a note to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And I'll be repeating all that after the study. But for now, let's get right into the message. There is a story by Eusebius how John the Beloved went into the public house at Ephesus to bathe. But before entering, he saw Serinthus, the Gnostic heretic, and refused to enter, exclaiming, Let us flee, lest even the bathhouse fall, because Serinthus, the enemy of truth, is within. Such was Paul's outrage and consternation towards the heretics who were and had infiltrated the Galatian church because they were the enemies of the truth. Should our response be any different today in the church? No. Are you indifferent to false teaching? Does it bother you? Do you have a sense of duty to respond to heresy or are you complacent? Can you unmask it when you're confronted with heresy? Better yet, 
Are you one of those individuals who think that there are many ways to God and that we shouldn't speak against anyone, but we should just love one another? Love without concern for doctrine becomes perverted and always leads to heresy. In the opening chapter of Galatians, we are given the response of the Apostle Paul to heresy, particularly here in verses 6 down to 10. Heresy is defined as that which is an opinion or doctrine that deviates, alters, opposes, or contradicts Orthodox Christianity and salvation by faith in Christ alone. The root word means to make a choice or to be of an opinion. And it's used through the New Testament in different forms. It's used for the sect of the Pharisees, the sect of the Sadducees, Acts 5, 17, 15, 5. The word with time became identified uniquely with false doctrine, false teaching, which identifies one of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5.20, heresies, false teaching. The word a heretic is found only one time in the epistle to Titus, and it tells us how to deal with such an individual, and it describes his state. Listen to him, Titus 3.10 and 11. Reject a divisive man, there's the word, heretic, after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. So in other words, if a person does not heed, does not align themselves with the word of God, and they are going out of their way to corrupt or to pervert or to insist in their way which is not orthodox, then we are to reject them. Very important. That is not unloving. That is a very strong mark of love when you know this is the only way and you would agree with someone else that there's other ways, that would not be love. That would be indifference. What we want to do is examine the response of Paul, the apostle to heresy, which is fourfold. Let me read verse six through 10. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men... I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul's response to heresy is fourfold. First of all, the amazement of the apostle, verse 6. Secondly, the announcement of the apostle in verse 7. Thirdly, the assessment of the apostle in verse 8 and 9. And lastly, the argument of the apostle in verse 10. Notice how it unfolds. One step at a time. The amazement of the apostle, verse 6. Notice having established his apostleship, his authority here, and the gospel message that is from God, in verse 1, 
He now deals with the Galatians as their spiritual father with consternation. And listen to this, severity. The severity is evident that there is no usual prayer or thanksgiving in the beginning of this epistle like all the others, Romans, Corinthians, Philippians. It is severe. We have all experienced a severe time with our fathers or mothers when we were kids. <laughs> and they didn't say, listen, hon, I want to talk to you. Sit down. They just said, sit down. We knew they meant business. When the Galatians opened this letter and started reading it, they knew Paul meant business. Notice first in verse 6, the apostle was amazed that the Galatians were turning away so soon from God. The mind of Paul was shocked by the use of the word marvel, which has the idea of astonishment, dumbfoundedness. You and I have seen certain things in life. You're looking at it and you can't, you go, man, you, I, I can't believe the person would do that. It's just, it shocks you. It takes you off guard. This is what he's communicating. Amazement. Notice the understanding of Paul is stated by the phrase turning away, which means to change places, putting one in the place of another. So we're not even talking about walking with two together. We're talking about exchanging things, one for the other. In classical Greek, it is used of a turncoat, desertion or revolt against the allegiance of religion or philosophy. Paul uses it for the gospel. The phrase is in the present middle voice implying that they were in the process. The deception had not taken hold completely, but they were in the process. And there are a lot of people who are in the process of being deceived in the church constantly because there's always deceivers. Notice secondly, still in verse 6, the apostle was amazed that the Galatians were turning away so soon from the call of the grace of Christ. The phrase in the grace speaks of the sphere in which God had called them to. In contrast to what? The law of the Old Testament. Paul was amazed at their turning away from the call in the grace of Christ. If you have embraced and experienced grace, why would you want to turn from it? It's deception. Absolute deception. The apostle was amazed that the Galatians were turning away so soon. Here it is. To a different gospel. To a different gospel. Different. The word is heteros which means one of a different quality, not of the same nature, be it in form or in class. We get our word heterosexual from it, male, female, of a different kind, heteros. Notice the apostle identifies the deception by the word also gospel, which means good news. Paul was astonished that the Galatians were turning so soon to a different quality of gospel and dare to call it a gospel of good news. There are many like that. It is no good news at all. It's a perversion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul was astonished that the Galatians were turning from God the Father and replacing the gospel with religion and ceremony. See, a lot of people like to feel good, and that's all they want to do in life, feel good. So they go through their rituals. They go through their things. 
And the only time they feel safe is when they're at that altar or where they go through the ritual. And that's misplaced faith. Our faith is in a person, not in a feeling, not in an experience, not in a location, not in a man. Paul was astonished that the Galatians were releasing the grace of Christ to embrace the law that condemned them. Now, if I ask any of you who has never gotten a ticket, some of your hands might go up and you might think you're pretty self-righteous. Yeah, I know. But then if I asked you now, keep your hands up, how many of you don't deserve one? <laughs> Everybody's guilty. Because I don't get a ticket doesn't mean I don't deserve it. If a policeman followed me, your pastor, I probably would get at least 10 to 20 tickets a day. <laughs> but so would you. <laughs> the law condemns us. I've never been pulled over and given a citation for going uh, the right speed. Paul's amazement is much like that of a father who, after teaching his children about strangers and deception, gets a call and says, your children, they're down here at the police station. Come and get them. They were nearly abducted. And he asked them, what would you? They're children. Dad, he told us you wanted us. These deceiving imposters are much like fishes in the ocean. You've seen some of those documentaries. They can change their appearance outside, their color. They blow up like big balloons, and their little tentacle goes on and just floats there, and then here comes this little fish comes by, and whoop. Wolves in sheep's clothing. That's why I label the fungus among us. They're always in the church. I am amazed, always, at how soon people turn away from Christ and still confess to know God not realizing that when you turn from Christ, you turn from God. You cannot have God without Christ. You cannot have the Father without the Son or apart from the Son. The Son is the only one who reveals the Father, John 1.18 declares. The Son came to bring us to the Father, Jesus said in John 14.6. And the Son declared that we must worship the Father and God in spirit and in truth to the woman of Samaria in John 4.23. Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Truth is the Word of God. Can't be apart from that. I am also amazed at how soon people turn away from the call of the grace of Christ to some form of legalism or rules in religion. Now, I don't know what your background is, but I came out of the Catholic background, and there's ritual. From the minute you walk in there, you do the sign of the cross, you get some of that dirty water it puts their finger into, and you put it on your face. And you go through the whole, but because that's what you've been taught. And so, you know, you kneel up and down, this and that, and you're saying amen, this and that, to something you don't even understand. And you go through this whole ritual, and you're hoping that it covers you. Now, I believed in God when I was a Catholic, but I was lost. It wasn't until I knew I was lost and I needed to repent for my sins and only do what the Bible says and not man's rules, regulations, and ritual. I've been down in Mexico City. I've been in Central America where people walk on their knees up the beach all the way up and their, their bone is sticking out and they think that they're pleasing God. Do you think God is pleased with that? No. Do you think that forgives sins? Absolutely not. Yet the church teaches that. Heresy. The danger is there's just so much truth in it and you say, well, what's the problem? Let me tell you, if I give you a glass of water, 10 ounces, and I put one little drop of cyanide and you say, hey, what'd you put in there? Oh, oh nothing. Why? Oh, what is it? Just cyanide. I injure it. Don't worry, look at all the water. Just a little drop of cyanide. 
What's the problem? They foolishly trust in their flesh, not believing the scriptures that there is not one good thing in us, Romans 7, 18. You see, the problem is we think there's still something good in us. And we think we can do all these. Now, we have a potential for good. We don't deny that. But our bent is towards evil. Any of your parents ever have to teach you to lie? How about lust? You have to be taught to do that? No, you have to teach the opposite. They fail to recognize that only the sphere of grace can cause us to be accepted by God. Ephesians 2 8, we're saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, the gift of God. It's the only way. They fail to recognize that only grace can supply the ability and strength for the severest testings of life to please God, even as Paul was told by God, my grace is sufficient in 2 Corinthians 12 9. Let me tell you, grace works, but you have to die. If you don't die and you trust in your own flesh, grace is canceled down. Grace does not work with the person who feels they are sufficient in themselves. Not that grace is powerless, is that grace will not be one with the flesh. Absolutely not. I never cease to be amazed at how often people turn away to another gospel of inferior quality being distinct and opposed to the gospel of grace by adding and taking away from it. Remember, we've already seen that Satan is out to deceive in 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4, right? He warns the Corinthians, lest like Eve was deceived by Satan. Men, Satan, and demons deceive. He's told us that in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. They're ministers of Satan, transforming themselves into angels of light, ministers of Satan. We are told to try the spirits in 1 John 4, 1, for not every spirit confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, right? How do we know? If we know the scriptures. We are told in Ephesians 4.14 that we're not to be like children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. All these new doctrines that fly around the church. Oh, come here, come there, do this and that. They're beyond the scriptures. Heresy. The amazement of the apostle was at their turning away. Shocked. Secondly, the announcement of the apostle is found in verse 7. Having declared his amazement, he now announces some important truths. First, the apostle announces that there is only one gospel. Real simple. Only one gospel. He uses the word another, which means another of the same kind, denoting numerical difference rather than quality as in verse 6 by the word different. So he hits it from both ends. It's a different heteros gospel, completely different, but it's also not of the same nature. It's a numerical difference and nature at the same time. So Paul is telling these Galatians that they had been deceived and were being deceived due to the fact that there is but one gospel. The quality is grace and the number is one and the person is Jesus Christ. It's just that narrow, people. People always say, well, you guys are too narrow. Hey, I'll be as broad as Jesus lets me be. I can't go beyond that. Notice secondly in verse 7, the apostle announced that there are some who were troubling them. And Paul describes the Judaizers' intent here by the word trouble, which means to shake or agitate, creating turmoil and confusion in the mind and heart. This is what people who teach false doctrine love to do. Notice Paul describes the individuals by the word some. We've run across this word in Corinthians. And it is accompanied with the article in the Greek, 
indicating their occupation and character. I'm glad that the Bible wasn't written in English because we love our hamburger, love our wife, love our dog, love our car. What's the difference? But in the Greek, there's different words. This word has an article which depicts character and occupation. This is who they are at heart. This is who they are. The term is used for those who were challenging the apostles' authority in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 2. The actions of the false teachers is described by the word pervert, which means to reverse or turn about. The word is used of the sun being turned to darkness in Acts 2.20. The word is used of laughter turned into mourning in James 4.9. The object of their attack was the gospel, the good news of God to lost man. It is purposeful. It is willful. It is methodical. It is not an accident. In other words, these men were of such depraved nature that they willfully, knowingly, and purposefully were attempting to reverse the good news of Christ. From grace to what? Law. Now, how many of you guys can walk by law? How many of you have never broken the Ten Commandments? <laughs> how many of you didn't break one traffic law on the way to church this morning? <laughs> Paul had been entrusted with the gospel, Philippians 1.17. Paul had been appointed to the defense of the gospel in 1 Timothy 1.11. The announcement of Paul regarding these truths is much like the little boy. You remember that, the story of the king who these tailors came and they made him all these beautiful clothes and they were invisible and, you know, and so he's out there walking around naked and everybody's going, oh, yeah, this and that. And a little kid from the crowd says, hey, the king is naked. I mean, it's about time somebody says something. This is what Paul is saying. Deception is so subtle. And people go about and you're saying, hey, you're going to hell. Oh, but I feel so good. Until you get there. I mean, a parachute ride is great when you jump out of the plane. It's only bad if the chute doesn't open. Somebody's time to say, hey, the king's naked. You're being deceived. Tragic. Let me re-announce to you that there is but one gospel. The gospel was given by inspiration of God's spirit. It presents God's authority and it's God's final revelation. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed. 2 Peter uh, 1, 20 and 21, men of old were carried along by the Spirit of God. They didn't speak of their own impulse. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says that God spoke in different times and diverse manners and times past to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken unto us finally, ultimately, last of all, through His dear Son. It's done. No other revelation. The gospel is final in salvation of Jesus Christ, which is delivered once and for all to the saints. Jude 3 tells us that and many other portions of Scripture, once and for all. The Lord Jesus warned about deception in all three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. The first words out of his mouth, out of the Olivet Discourse was, take heed, let no man deceive you. What's the implication? Men will always be there to deceive you. Very important. 
Pastor Xavier Reese is working his way through four points of the Apostle Paul's reaction to heresy as he begins this series from the New Testament book of Galatians here on Simple Truths. And we'll have much more from this study on our next program. Now, if you'd like to review today's important message again at your own pace, you can request a copy on CD. All you need to do is mention the title, Fungus Among Us, or simply mention today's date. As always, they're available for the low cost of just $4. So again, the title to ask for is Fungus Among Us. To get in touch, address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And use that address to send your comments of the broadcast to Pastor Xavier, as we mentioned at the beginning of today's program. Or jot an email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Sharing how we've been a ministry would help us to be the most effective as we plan future programming on this station. So we thank you for getting in touch. Well, most people have the understanding not to judge another, but Pastor Xavier Reese says there comes a time when we're commanded to confront. That's next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 